When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, the show's not in Dallas tonight, but Thursday night football sure is. We've got Seahawks, Cowboys headed our way in just over an hour from now. No Ian Fitzsimmons. Jonathan Zaslow is in once again for Ian. Hello, Zaslow. You can find him at Zaslow Show on social. You can find me, Amber Wilson, as well at Amber W Sports. Be a part of Amber and Ian Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, too. Give us a call. 888-ESPN, that's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of a nice, cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. So the Dallas Cowboys are going to look to extend their 13-game home winning streak tonight at 8.15 p.m. When that game kicks off, we will keep you updated, of course, throughout. Both of these teams as are coming off of divisional games, Played on Turkey Day on Thanksgiving. The Cowboys dominated the Commanders. The Seahawks, meanwhile, they got dominated by the 49ers. They come into this one with the Cowboys looking squarely in the postseason and the Seahawks fighting for their lives. Yeah, and like like you said, the Cowboys have been so good at home. Now, you know, 5-0 and on the season. I think it's 13 straight overall. And the Seahawks are a different team on the road. At home, look, there's something. To, you know about the 12th man, all right, mm-hmm. in Seattle. But in Dallas, it's a different story. And both teams. So this game is huge tonight because, yes, D- Dallas has an outside shot at the division, all right? They're a couple games back of number one Philadelphia. They play them next week. So this weekend, Philly, San Francisco. If Philly loses there, then Dallas wins tonight and wins next week. All of a sudden, you're even there, and it's 1-1 on the season tie break. So this is a huge one tonight for Dallas if they have any shot at that division. Everybody knows, uh, everyone knows, that you, you believe the Cowboys' major threat, major threat. You established that before the season started on first take. You told everybody, I the Cowboys. to say that the team that finished as the runner-up to the divisional winner last season may, in fact, that's right, be the threat this season. That's right. So Crazy you are secretly <laughs> you 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 are not impartial because you love being right. Everybody loves being right. Everybody don't let any sports talk show host tell you that they don't care about being right. They just want to be entertaining. We all want to be right. Everybody loves being right. I'm but, glad you said but that. But some Ian, of us, Ian, but some way, of us love being right more, and that's you. And that's me. Ian sits up here and claims he doesn't love being, that he doesn't no, care no. about being right. And you're no, absolutely no, no. right. You've been in this biz for 25 years. Don't fall for that rope of dope. Don't there fall ain't for a that. person in this business who doesn't want to be right. I want that's to the be rope right. of dope. He's trying to be humble. You could be humble, all right, but you also love being right. <laughs> uh, I love being right so much that I have thought about going to that Cowboys Eagles game next week. Oh, you should. You, you you should you should show up there Stephen A. Smith style. You got the cowboy hat and everything. Right. Now he does it because he's trying to mock the cowboy mm-hmm. fans. But you well, should go. Be. You mm-hmm. should go with the cowboy hat, a cigar, maybe a pull up the boots. All right. You show up. You're looking like a cowboy. All right. It's an actual or a cowgirl. I'm sorry. You show up looking like a cowgirl. You should show up. You should do it. 
You should do Amber and Ian there. You roll up on a horse. How about that? I like you that. You roll up there on a horse. I don't know if you know how to ride a horse. I'll bet you wouldn't have guessed it. I hate riding I horses. How, I know how to ride horses. I do. I'll bet you I, I don't. That. I don't think horses should be ridden. I'm anti-riding horse. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I love riding. Riding horses is fun. But you should show up to Amber and Ian there on a horse. Cow, cowboy hat. You got the boots. Maybe a cigar. I don't know. You do what you want. You have freedom to choose. But, man, like you should, you should rep the cowboys. You should go. By the way, that wasn't some sort of like animal rights stance that I was taking. It's because I fell off a horse when I was six years old with my mother. And it was an incredibly traumatic experience because she got super hurt. We were riding double saddle, whatever. And you called. both fell off? And we both fell off. Because like did the, the horse buck place, and that's how you fell off? No, the riding place did not put the saddle on properly. Apparently oh, horses, I learned suit. later, they will sometimes like blow out their stomach, like make their stomach extra big. When the person's putting the saddle on, at least this is what somebody told me once. And then so it won't get tight enough and then they'll like suck in and get normal. And so the the saddle just twisted under the horse, just loop-de-loop under the horse. And we were on a trail and there was rocks and it didn't go well. And I was six. I ended up actually okay. My mom ended up not okay. So it was this traumatic experience. And I've always hated riding horses ever since. Oh, what? is that the horse? Is that the horse talking to you right now? That's the horse talking to me right now. I, I seem sorry. I was Here like I am four, supporting the Dallas Cowboys now. Somehow. I, I was like four years old and, and, and I was horse riding and the horse took off with me. The like horse ran off. It took, now a lot. That'll scar a lot of kids. You know, like yes. it seemed to scar you. Didn't scar me. Made me stronger. <laughs> well, we'll see if the Dallas Cowboys are stronger tonight than the Philadelphia or not Philadelphia Eagles and the Seattle Seahawks. They have to get through the Seahawks first before they can turn their attention to the Eagles. The Seahawks, meanwhile, it's been an up and down season, but you know, Smith, he failed to duplicate that magic of last season when he was the comeback player of the year. It just hasn't looked the same. Some of that has been that there has been injuries all over this Seahawks team. DK Metcalf, he's battled through hip and rib injuries. You had even Gino himself dealing with an elbow injury. Kenneth Walker battling an oblique injury right now. So it's a beat up Seattle Seahawks team. It's a Dallas team that's as hot as ever. They are rolling. They need this win. Every win matters. Word go time. And oh, by the way, the guy leading that team and Dak Prescott squarely in the MVP conversations, Aslo. Yeah, and both teams need the both both teams schedule is super super tough leading to the last couple weeks of the season. But it's interesting that you say that with Dak Prescott because yeah, like it's it's quite possible and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to start, you know, but it's quite possible that the quarterback of the Eagles and the quarterback of the Cowboys are right up there at the top of the MVP conversation. I'm not trying to be funny here, you know? Like, I, I think Jalen Hurts is actually the front runner right now, but we probably need to pay some attention here to Dak Prescott. Why do you think Jalen Hurts is the front runner? Because ESPN Bet agrees with you right now. Jalen Hurts is the favorite to win MVP. I believe it's at plus 150 on ESPN Bet. I don't have it in front of me, but he certainly has better odds right now, according to ESPN Bet, than Dak Prescott does. And I don't understand why everybody wants to hand it to Jalen Hurts. Now, I think part of that has to do with the fact that, frankly, a quarterback does not deserve this award this season. I'm not even advocating for Dak to get it. So I want to say that on the front end. The people that deserve this award this season play defense first and foremost. There are several of those players. 
the Miles Garrett's and the Watts of the world, right? But then second, there's also CMC and some players on offense and outside yeah. of and Tyreek Hill should be part of that conversation. So there are several players I would name all around that football field before I even yeah. get to quarterback. That's number one. But number two, I don't get if we're going to give it to a quarterback, why we're handing it to Jalen over Dak. When I pull the stats, Dak's numbers, practically all of them are better than Jalen's this season. Yeah, well, I think what you said there plays a major role that even though there's not like a guaranteed runaway winner at quarterback, I think that plays a part in it because a quarterback is still going to win the award. That's how it goes. That's how it goes, you know? So, So, yeah, I think that plays a part that there's not this guaranteed runaway guy. And then you look at Philadelphia, Amber, the 10-1. and I mean, they, like they have the best record. In okay, the NFL. but the, the the award isn't who has the best record at award. No, that's not the only the thing. I would, player no, that's not the only thing I would stand on. And and if, and if you look at all of these wins for Philadelphia, and maybe at some point it's going to come back to bite them here. All their wins, like except for one, are Super one close. score games. They're really close, and that means the quarterbacks making plays to win these games. Like so, in a in, in a season where. There is not a runaway winner, especially at quarterback. Yeah, I, I think it absolutely helps Jalen Hurts' case. But it probably also helps Dak Prescott's case, too. Look, we got a big showdown in two weeks, and it, it could go a long way toward this conversation. Jalen Hurts, about 2,700 yards so far this season. Dak Prescott, almost 3,000. Touchdowns for Jalen Hurts, 18. Dak Prescott, 23. Interceptions for, ja- for Jalen Hurts, 10. Double digits. Dak Prescott, 6. QBR for Jalen Hurts, 63.5. Dak Prescott, 75.3. I mean, across the board. Across the board. There's no other way to look at it. Numbers don't lie, Philadelphia. I'm just saying. According to ESPN Bet right now, Jalen Hurts, inexplicably, plus 150 to win this thing. He is the favorite. Patrick Mahomes, plus 400. Lamar Jackson, plus 500. Dak, plus 800 to win this thing. Brock Purdy, Plus one thousand. Just give it to a non-quarterback already. Nah, it's, it's not so gonna happen. Stupid. It's not gonna happen. And that—that's also why C.J. Stroud was in the conversation for a few weeks. And right. now they lost last week. They're six and five. It's like MVP can't be on a six and five team, you know. So now C.J. Stroud has dropped out of the conversation. But it's because I believe there is not this definitive runaway guy. It, it's it, the world is not going to explode, NFL, if we all admit that some of the other positions on the field are also incredibly valuable and that these teams would not be where they are without some of these other players at other positions as well. The world will not explode. Go ahead and give it to somebody who actually deserves it. I mean, why test it? We hears, don't know for sure. Hears. Why test fate? We don't know oh, that for sure. It, we, uh, it, it just feels like we're forcing this thing on a quarterback this season, at least so far, and I'm here to campaign for everybody else playing this game. Coming up next here. On Amber and Ian, Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. The Carolina Panthers, they've been a mess. It's like eight coaching changes, I think, since David Tepper has taken over ownership. Something crazy. Not that longstanding of an owner. We will get into the situation in Carolina and what one ESPN radio host said about it. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So things in Carolina have not been good this season. (laughs) And David Tepper is not known to be a patient owner. He's gone through, what is it, like four coaching changes in three years or something? It's just something insane. I think it's more than that. Oh, well, yeah, not th- three no, years, third, This is third tenure. coach in four years. I think his tenure might be something like eight already. So he's not one to be patient. He also isn't one to be patient in the other sports teams he owns either, right? And things aren't going well in Carolina. Things weren't going well for Frank Rake. 11 games in, he had had enough, and he decided that he needed to move on. He does have a number one overall pick that he's got to get the most out of, and he's got to find a coach that's able to do that. He didn't believe, apparently, Reich was that guy, and I guess the record would show that maybe Reich wasn't that guy, although, heck, he didn't have a ton of time. Chris Canty, he hosts a show called Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Have you heard of it, Jonathan Zaslow? Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. It's a great show. 6 to 10A, Monday yeah. through Friday. Yeah. So Canty, My on his show... Of course I've heard of him talking about. <laughs> Canty, on his show... Called David Tepper. Well, I'll just I'll just let you hear it. David Tepper is a clown show. I'm just gonna say it for the Panthers fans out there. I know they would love to say it to his face, but he is a straight clown preaching patience because he's exercised it in an industry where he actually knows something about it, and now saying that he's gonna do the same thing in the NFL where he's shown us he's not. He's had three different head coaches across five years and fired them all in season. You're not patient. Stop saying you're going to exercise patience when you're not patient. You're impetuous. And right now, your team is a circus. The owner of the Carolina Panthers has involved himself to the degree, when it came to Frank Reich, of asking to have more of certain play calls on the offensive side of the ball going into last week's game. Now, I'm not talking about game day. I'm talking about in the planning leading up to the game. There's somebody closer. They shot me a text because we were talking about this subject. And they said, that's how bad it was in Carolina. Again, clown show. Clown show. That is David Tepper. It's a circus with the Carolina Panthers. I don't know who the hell would want that job if they got other options. I mean, at one point during that, it even sounded like Canty got a little choked up. He was so passionate. Very upset. If you you were taking a shot for every time he referred to David Tepper as a clown, you are incredibly drunk right now. so wasted. Uh, Yes. Seriously. He's not... Uh, he's not entirely wrong there, Jonathan Zaslow. Things have not been running well, smoothly in Carolina. He's, he's not entirely. Look, overall, his point that it's an awful situation, he's obviously right. There are a couple things, though, that I would push back on. Number one, I, I hate when we hear the, you know, it, it, that's that's not a job anybody should take. No, 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 no. Okay? Like, there's 32. There's 32 of them in the world. <laughs> It's a great job, all right? Yeah. It's never not a good job. So There's 32 of them in the world, and they pay yeah. millions and millions and it's millions an of dollars. It's an amazing job, 
amazing it's dumbest job. take that it's not right. a good job. Now, maybe it's not a good job if you're a coach that has a bunch of options. Right. You know, if you're taught, like when yeah. Sean Payton was looking for a job and what, if you're a coach and you're surveying and you've got four teams, a uh, suitor's fine. But that's probably not the coach walking into Carolina yeah. anyway. Like if, if the Panther job is, which the Panther job is open going into the offseason, and let's just say, I mean, no reason I'm picking this team, but let's just say the Charger job is open at the same time this offseason. Well, if you have your choice, if you took the Panther job over the Charger job, yeah, you know what? That's that's probably stupid. But in general, the Panther know, that job paycheck might be better in Carolina. Yeah, I know you're right about that. Actually, the, the, the Panther it's a great job. It's one out of thirty-two in the entire world. Okay, I will say though, with the stuff about David Tepper and that maybe like he wants to get in on like the play calling and stuff like that on the prep leading up to the games. I'm I'm I really am surprised we don't hear more of that because if I. Jonathan Zaslow, if I owned one of these teams, I don't know, I feel like I'd want all the cool plays, you know, leading up to the game. I'll, I'll, you know, those plays that get us 25 yards, I want more of those. Let's see those. I, like, I'm, I'm surprised we don't hear. I'll bet that stuff happens so much more than we're privy to hearing about. We're hearing about it now with David Tepper because everybody's picking on him, rightfully so, but we're hearing about it now because this situation is kind of a disaster, you know, but I'll, I'll bet that's, that kind of stuff happens a lot. I say that often when we talk about Jerry Jones because everybody insults Jerry Jones for being involved in the team that he quite literally owns. Yeah. And I think this concept of he? owning something that's worth billions of dollars and not being involved in it is a bizarre concept because if the rest of us owned any company, if it was worth $10,000, we'd probably be heavily involved. Nevertheless, if it yeah. was worth $5 billion, I'd probably be pretty heavily involved in that puppy. So I always say that with Jerry Jones. And we are seeing an owner right now in the NBA selling his majority stake in the team. And there are reports out there, Zaslow, that somehow, even though yeah. he's selling majority stake, he's going to maintain some control and some involvement in things like that. Yeah, and if that's, that's true, it's the most If that's even scenario. true, which is a bizarre, I mean, Mark, the Mark amazing. Cuban scenario, like that in and of itself, but the desire, I think it shows the desire. Yeah. If it was, if that was true at all, or even if that was ever contemplated, even for that story to exist, I feel like it shows that, of course, these owners want to be <laughs> in yeah. some semblance involved more than you're right. We probably hear about it beyond and outside of the Dallas Cowboys. So it's not shocking that maybe Tepper was involved. I also think when it comes to the patients, because yes, you do have to give some patience. I can also understand that if I had traded away draft capital to get the number one overall pick, where if Bryce Young doesn't work out for Carolina, you're talking about something that can tank your franchise for years and years and years and years. And thus, if you're the owner, of course, your investments down and all that, and it can have an effect over the course of many years. So you traded away assets for your number one overall pick. You have to try to hit on that guy and get the most out of him. The whole reason Frank Reich had that job, the only reason he had that job was to try to get the most out of the quarterback. And after 11 games, it was pretty clear he wasn't doing that. I mean, it's really easy for us to be preaching patience out here, and I'm not defending the record of Tepper because it goes – far beyond this 11-game stint from Frank Reich. But in this isolated scenario this season, I can understand wanting to move on and feeling like yeah. you should have already seen some more. Yeah, but but 
see, the conversation, though, is that it's not an isolated incident. We know that he keeps firing coaches and keeps firing them in season. This is about so much. Like, it could be the right move to move on from Frank Reich because even though it's in the middle of his first season, all right, you know, like the only thing worse than realizing you have a mistake, made a mistake in this hire, is to let the mistake linger. Like, you know, eat it, get rid of him, and move on, you know, even if it winds up being embarrassing. But you can't keep firing coaches because even if the coach isn't great, you do need to establish some type of continuity at some point. Like, it's no surprise. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. How in the world are they not going to have an under 500 season? Mike Tomlin is never under 500. They're going to finish over 500 again this year. They did it last year when they probably shouldn't have had, and yet they have stability there. I'm just using that as one example of a team that you stick with the coach. These coaches, they're not dumb. And what I mean by that is they're football lifers. It's their entire life, football. And most of them, look, some of them you could see are definitely going to be terrible. But most of them, if you allow them to coach, they are going to end up being competent. But there's no chance of competency, and there's no chance of any type of continuity in your franchise if it's a revolving door and you keep moving on from these guys. you got to settle on somebody just to calm things down and have some type of stability. They're not idiots. You may not get the best coach, but they're not idiots. They know football, most of these guys. They have worked their entire lives to get there. They have spent their entire lives in coaching, typically, to get there outside of maybe Jeff Saturday, right? You don't typically walk in to a head coaching job in the National Football League. David Tepper, since taking over in 2018, his teams have a 30-63 and record. They have missed the playoffs every single season that he has owned the team. I do think that you need continuity from here moving forward for Bryce Young's sake, because no matter who comes in, I don't think you can get the most out of Bryce Young if you're revolving door of playbook for him coming up next we'll head back to thursday night football get you geared up for tonight's action this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Seahawks, Cowboys tonight, 8.15 p.m. kickoff on Thursday night football. Of course, we are getting you set for that one. Let's bring in some help and some expertise. Mike Tannebaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, joining us here on Amber and Ian with Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. And Tannebaum, thanks as always for joining us. Let's talk about this matchup tonight. Seahawks, Cowboys, how do you see it? Yeah, it should be a good one. You know, I think the big X factor is, you know, what's the health of – 
Geno Smith, you know, someone who's had you know a resurgent career since Russell Wilson has left. He hurt his elbow, um, and I think Seattle's defense is good. I don't think it's great. I think for them to win tonight, they're going to have to score something that um, is going to be hard to do against Dallas. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on that right arm of Geno Smith. Mike, those teams, those wild card teams below Dallas, Dallas certainly, we've seen that they could beat good teams, but Seattle, Minnesota, they have the final two spots. Green Bay and the Rams are behind them. Any of those teams in that log jam in the bottom of the NFC, can any of them win a playoff game? Yeah, great question. You know, I kind of like Green Bay. I think they have a really good young quarterback that's going to continue to get better in Jordan Love. You look at their skilled players from, you know, Jaden Reed, um, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Musgrave, they're, they're all first- or second-year players. So I think that core as a whole will get better defensively. If they can get healthy, they're, they're talented. So I think of all those teams, John, um, that's the team to me that has some upside. ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannebaum joining us here on Amber and Ian. Tannebaum, Jalen Hurts right now, according to ESPN, bet is the favorite to win the MVP. Dak Prescott, by the numbers, though, is having a better season. Where do you have Dak in the MVP race? Yeah, I like him a lot, Amber. I think he's, uh, especially the second half of the year, developing some chemistry with Brandon Cooks, who now has four touchdown passes. Um, I think if, if it's not based on reputation, you know, Dak's certainly uh, should be right there with Jalen Hurts. And coming down the stretch, um, you know, maybe that last game in Dallas is for the division and the MVP. You know, Mike, Jerry Jones spoke recently about making sure that his team doesn't look ahead of tonight's game. Not that they're playing some type of slouch. I mean, Seattle's over 500, but not looking ahead to next week when they get that rematch with the Philadelphia Eagles. I feel like that stuff's kind of overstated. That game's 10 days away. You know, do, do the players in the locker room, do they do they really look ahead past certain teams like that? You know, you try not to. You know, and look, Philly's in, in this unbelievable stretch, right? They had Kansas City, then Buffalo, San Fran, and then Dallas. So, you know, for them, it's really one week at a time. And, you know, one thing players do know is Monday, Thursday night games, guys, like everyone's watching them. So um, I think they'll be dialed in tonight. Um, they all know what's next, but to make that game meaningful, they got to win tonight. Let's switch for a second to the Carolina Panthers. I'm sure you've done a lot of talking about this team for all the wrong reasons, Tannebaum, but the Panthers, of course, they get rid of the head coach. I mean, David Tepper is known to get rid of coach after coach after coach in his fairly short stint here as the owner of the Carolina Panthers. How do you think the turnover in coaching staff is ultimately going to affect Bryce Young, and do you think it was the right move? Um, look, the team's underperformed. I, I wouldn't have made the move that quick, you know. You hire a new coach, new staff, and take quarterback first overall. It's going to take a minute. You know, we're into this instant analysis that, you know, C.J. Stroud was the right decision and Bryce Young was the wrong, and that may be true, but, you know, we're just at Thanksgiving here. So um, I think it was a premature decision and uh, certainly one where I think Bryce Young will still be a good player. Um, this is not ideal for his development. Now, like you said, Mike, we're only just past Thanksgiving, but how difficult is it for a front office like that to to continue to put on a good face? And like, do they mean it when they say we think we got the right guy in Bryce Young? That we're good with the selection there. That we it's not Stroud. We're happy with the pick we made. 
Yeah, well, look, it's human nature, right? Like, they know what's going on in Houston. It's impossible not to. They also know they don't have their first-round pick that's going to Chicago next year. So um, those are all things that they know that's going on. But you just got to fall back on your process, John, and say, hey, you know, like, we believed in our process. We drafted, you know, Bryce Young after months of research, and we still feel good about that. At this point, Tannebaum, the Patriots' next big game is probably April in the NBA draft, frankly. That's what they're looking ahead to. If you're the owner there, if you're Robert Kraft, how do you handle that situation in New England? Yeah, that's a tough one for me. You know, talking about the greatest coach of the history of football, and, um, you know, obviously you expect some changes, but if anyone's ever earned the benefit of the doubt, it's, uh, it's Coach Belichick, and clearly it's going to start at the quarterback position. You know, it's, it's interesting how you say that. Mike, because it makes sense does you know, if anyone deserves the benefit of the doubt, it's Coach Belichick. But then like I would push back and say, if anyone deserved the benefit of the doubt, it'd have been Tom Brady, who essentially got pushed out of New England too, you know? Yeah, I think Tom, you know, that ran its course, John, and um he he wanted to go at some point and clearly, you know, it was a great run, great marriage, and then it sort of, you know, ended. Um but I think Coach Belichick, to me, does deserve the benefit of the doubt. And maybe they make changes in the front office. But um, if he wants to stay, if I was the owner, I certainly would let him. Mike Tannebaum joining us here on Amber and Ian with Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian tonight. Let's talk about division leaders. I want to go to the AFC for this conversation, Mike. Dolphins, Chiefs, Ravens, Jags. There's still quite a bit of season left to play. Out of those four teams, though, which one is most likely to give up the division lead? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, maybe Jacksonville, just because, you know, Houston's a good team and they're sort of like nipping at their heels. Um, I think Miami's in good shape and Kansas City's in good shape. So that Jacksonville, um, Houston, you know, I think that could go down to the very end. You know, let's say a team like Miami, they're three up on Buffalo. If they wrap up the division with a couple of weeks left, you know, do, do you start to play around? I mean, I know, you know, maybe you want to get the top spot. Maybe you want to get the second seed. But do you start to play around a little bit, making sure your guys are healthy going into the playoffs? How do you handle that? Yeah, especially given Tua's, you know, injury history. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, he was somebody that was hurt in college, been hurt in the NFL. Um, I'm very judicious with, you know, Tua in particular, just given, you know, what's happened to him in the past. Mike Tannebaum, he's always here for us for all of his NFL front office knowledge. Thanks so much, Tannebaum. Thanks, Mike. Okay, thank you. Jonathan Zaslow filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons here on Amber and Ian. Uh, What do you make of that last answer from Tannebaum that we got on the Miami Dolphins? You and I, obviously, Dolphins fans. You cover this team very closely. Yeah, you know, it's... It's, it's, it's certainly a, a scenario involving the Dolphins because they have a three-game lead in the division. Like, they're, they're trending in a direction where they could wrap up the division maybe with a couple of weeks left in the season. Now, they still have a couple of important games the final couple weeks of the season. I don't think you talk about resting a guy like Tua in that spot. You, you need the quarterback still to win those final couple games. But I do think there are other positions where maybe you can look at and say, all right, you know, maybe this running back, he gets a lot fewer touches in these last couple weeks to kind of save the wear and tear on him. The Dolphins specifically, a guy like Teron Armstead, who's always hurt. Like, I wouldn't play Teron Armstead 
after the Dolphins if they were to wrap up the division. I, I wouldn't play him again until the postseason. Those kind of guys, I, I think it's an interesting idea how much you should break. We don't see it in football very much, you know, and that's why I think it's interesting if you were to wrap up a division with multiple weeks left in the season. As far as being careful with Tua, I think the Dolphins are careful with Tua Anyway, I think it's part of their whole offense, how they get rid of the ball so quick. is It's not just to take advantage of the speed with the wide receivers. It's to make sure the quarterback doesn't take any hits. So I think they're careful as it is. When was the last time, Zaz, that we saw the Miami Dolphins in week two of the postseason? Oh, my God. They haven't won a playoff game since 2000. Yep. They have yeah. not won a playoff they, they, game Peyton Manning since and the Colts. 2000. So yeah. that's... That's how important the number one seed could be because then at least we're guaranteed <laughs> to see them the well, second week instead of the first week. I feel like if you're in striking distance, you try to go after that number one seed right now. I do if too. the season ended today, which would be weird, uh, but if the season ended today, it'd be the Ravens and that number one seed. But Dolphins still squarely in contention of that number one seed. Totally. And you'd get the And they guy. play the Ravens week 17. Like that's the game at Baltimore week 17 where a team like Miami has the chance. Like, that game, for Baltimore, too, that game, Week 17, could wind up deciding the number one seed. Number two is super important, too, because the number two seed, you're guaranteed two home games, maybe even the AFC Championship game, depending on what happens with the number one seed in the divisional round. So I really think the goal for a team like Miami is to get that number two spot. You don't want to be a greedy pig and say, hey, let's get number one overall. But, yeah, it's totally, it's totally in play. Well, it's but why totally not? Because like you said, it's been, it's been more than half my life since they've been in the divisional 20, round. 23 years. That's why I want yeah. them to waltz into it. I'm like, you know what? Just throw everything at the regular season. Like, let's just go. At least we can say we got there then. Because I, I, you're, I, I wasn't even a Dolphins fan the last time they made it to a divisional round. Oh, unbelievable game. Lamar Smith in overtime running all over those Colts. Amazing, amazing game. <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it. Uh, I, you know, I don't think you rest to uh, no matter what, though. No, I agree no, with you. And no. we're all going to always probably attach the whole thing to Tua, but, you know, knock on wood, obviously hasn't been much of a conversation this season. So I don't, I don't think you do anything out of the... Really I know, I, I it makes me I nervous too. Uh, Alright, you know what? Let's stop talking <laughs> about it. Coming about up it. next here on Amber and Ian, Jonathan Tesla filling in for Ian. Should the SEC be represented in the playoff picture no matter what happens this weekend in championship weekend? Well, at least one guy thinks so. We got horses on the mind, Saslo. You get the reference because we talked about riding horses earlier. I'm 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 a great horse rider. In the snow and the slop, whatever. In the slop. When have you yeah. ever been in the slop? Nice you live in horse. South Florida. Yeah. Good horse term. Slop. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I call bull bleep on this whole thing. Her mutter was a mutter. <laughs> Her mutter was a mutter. I call on this. <laughs> this is this is a bunch Six of horse. This that is a bunch j- of horse hockey. <laughs> Full that season. Was, that was just for me. That one. <laughs> Full season is looming. Tune in Saturday for the Big 12 Championship game presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 11 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Remember, you can always hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888 say ESPN, if you want to join the conversation. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Yeah. Find him at Zaslow Show on social. Find you can me. find me, Amber Wilson, as well at Amber W Sports. 
I like Knicks doing Thursday. Thing. I like doing shows on Thursdays with you. By the way, I feel like thir- Thursday's a fun night because not only is there good sports going on, you got Thursday night football right now, but Thursday, like it, we're so close to Friday, we're so close. To, like Thursday's a good Thursday's a going out night. You know, if you're of that age, I'm like an old person now. You know, but thurs- Thursday, I feel like Thursday's got a feel. Thursday night feels good. When you're young, though, everything's a going out night. Except for, I mean, even Wednesday. You could have wind down Wednesdays. We used to have taco Tuesdays. Like, every night there was some excuse to go out. Thursdays are real. Especially in college, though. Like, Thursday's a going out night. All right? The the, the night before Friday, and then everyone gets really nuts. Thursday's a good going out night. I remember those days. I don't actually miss those days. You know, when you get older, you... Just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> just can't recover. <laughs> you just it don't. kills the entire weekend. You know, you, you can't. It takes days to get back into a flow. That's what a lot of people say. I actually don't. I don't have that whole thing with the hangovers. I know everyone talks about how much worse they get as they get older. I, I just, I just don't have the desire. Like, there's just no part of me. I don't either. I don't like staying up till four in the morning sounds awful. Like, oh my I used god! To do it every, terrible. Every weekend being out till four a.m. with like my I, heels I can't in think my of anything hands worse. as I'm walking home from the club. I mean, it sounds absolutely terrible. And these people, Amber, and these people who do multiple things a night. You know, let's say you go out with another couple. Maybe you're having a double date or something. You're out to dinner. You got eight p.m. reservation. Okay, great. Maybe it's like ten o'clock. You're wrapping up, and they're like, "Where do you want to go from here? Where do I want to go from here?" <laughs> I want to go. Bet. I'm going to 8 bed. 8 p.m. reservation, by the way. I mean, that's so Miami of you. 8 p.m. reservation. I want it like 6 p.m. reservation. Give me a call. 8 p.m. But where, where, where are we going now? I, I know where we're going. Where are you going? I'm going to bed. Doing multiple <laughs> things in a night? No, 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 no. I used to not go out when I lived in Lauderdale and Miami when I was young. I used to not go out until midnight. Like, that Ooh, would be when we were going horrible. out. Like, we were pre-gaming at 11.30 p.m. We would Horrible. go out and hit the club. You remember it well, James, from your time in the service. Yeah, well, I was never really. When you got club married guy. at twelve yeah, and yeah. started having kids was, right away. Yeah, I was. No, I didn't. We didn't have kids right away. We waited a long no, time to do that. But uh, never really a club guy. Though we, it was more like going to somebody's house and just getting, you know, having a lot. Someone's basement monopoly. Yeah. Oh. So, like I just sit in my basement now and drink alone. That sounded sad, but I like to do that. <laughs> That's, it, it sounded it, sad it, it the way you delivered it. Yeah. He's <laughs> leaving out. He has his friends Jack and Daniels there. Don't worry. <laughs> there you go. And like, the basement's really nice. Like I will say. It's a great basement. It's still sounded sad. It's, it's it one of those things. I mean, when I'm you not get saying older, it's never sad, but I, I didn't mean for it to sound that sad right there. It's like when Moe's get, Tavern. When you get older, <laughs> if you have a basement or a man cave in any capacity, you are living. Living life like oh, there is nothing man better. Cave sounds so it's the good. Best. And in a basement, we don't have basements here we in South basements. Florida. Obviously, I, mine's upstairs. The idea of here. a basement. Wait, is that true? Yeah, like, you can't have basements true. in Florida, Matt. Lack, it's you'd be below sea level. The whole yeah. thing would flood. Oh well, you sounds can't dig down. Sounds like an indoor pool to me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nick Saban, as I was trying to set up before we went wildly off course there, he is the head coach of a school called Alabama. They have a little game this weekend in the SEC championship. Oh, the the little engine that could this weekend. Yes, the little engine. They are the under, they're the lovable underdogs, this Alabama Tide. And they are playing the Georgia Bulldogs this weekend, the number one team in the country. Now, there is a scenario where Alabama upsets Georgia. And neither team ends up in an SEC championship game. Nick Saban, shockingly, on the Pat McAfee show, calls that whole theory into question. 
I haven't paid a lot of attention to it because, you know, we don't really control that. We have no control over that. We have control over how we play, uh, how we execute, how we prepare our team, and that's where our focus is. I think there should be some representation from the SEC, regardless of who wins the game, absolutely. I think this is one of the best leagues, you know, in the country. Uh, And if you're a one-loss team and you play through this league, uh, I think you're one of the best four teams in the country. So there's some kind of way there should be representation uh, because of the league itself and the competition in the league. I, I mean, Zaslow, it's it's honorable that Nick Saban doesn't pay any attention to where they are in the college. Lying is honorable. <laughs> I feel like I mean, lying is the opposite. He did of try to sell it on the back end. He's like, well, if there's any way and that we should be in, however the rankings not even work, remotely I, believable. It's that not he believable. Does not pay believable. attention to it. Now, maybe he doesn't want his kids to pay attention to it. That makes sense. Obviously. Well, they do as well. They certainly do, all right? There is, it's not even remotely believable that they don't pay attention to it. And he told you ex- exactly that with the whole, you know, whoever wins the S- the SEC should be represented, meaning, hey, Nick, everybody knows if Georgia wins, the SEC is going to be represented. So you're obviously talking about yourself, which obviously means he pays attention to the scenario, all right? right. So he's telling us right there. And I, and I got to tell you, I... I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority here. I think the SEC is definitely going to be represented. I think if Alabama wins, I think they're going to be in the playoff. I think it make a strong argument that if Alabama wins, Georgia should be there or neither of them should be there. It depends what happens in some of these other games because here's the problem. Alabama has a loss. They lost to Texas this season. They're sitting at eighth in the college football playoff rankings. By the way, Texas, that team they lost to, is sitting ahead of them. So if they win in championship weekend, that's interesting. Ohio State is ahead of them. Oregon is ahead of them, right? You're talking about several teams with one losses that are slated already to be in better position than Alabama to make a college football playoffs. Now, Alabama's resume gets a boost here, of course, for beating the number one overall team in the country, but they have a loss and it's to Texas. So a Texas wins out here. And if you had an Oregon winning out as well, right, you can get into some murky waters about how this is handled. Or if you have the other undefeateds winning, right, there's only so many spots because there's only four spots this season. So although it's unlikely, whether it's Georgia or Alabama, and frankly, I I can also make the argument, I can also make the argument, Zazzle, for both of them getting in because there's that scenario as well. Bama beats Georgia. Georgia only has one loss. Georgia's one loss is to a top 10. Georgia's resume is very good. Georgia's in anyways, and now Alabama's in. So it could be double represented, and maybe that's what Saban should have been arguing for. But yes, he was just advocating for his own school there because he knows damn well that there's scenarios here that the SEC could not be represented. Unlikely, but it's possible. Look, if Alabama wins, it potentially three spots in the top four can potentially open up, depending on what the committee wanted to do with a Georgia team that just lost its first game in the SEC championship game. But Oregon can totally beat Washington, all right? right? And FSU, FSU can totally lose to Louisville, all right? Mm -hmm. That's potentially three spots that are open, and I'm assuming Michigan wins the Big Ten championship. That potentially opens up three spots in the college football playoff, and you're telling me a one-loss <laughs> Alabama team Michigan that just won the Iowa. SEC title game is not going to get one of those spots? They're definitely going to get in then.
Yeah, but what happens if all those other scenarios don't open up? I think that's the bigger problem. Here, then right? the world explodes. <laughs> well, that's what the college football playoff committee is hoping doesn't happen. They like to make as few decisions as possible. 